Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. On SAFM. Seven minutes after two o'clock. So what we have decided to do, we've been doing this every single day, is to try and see as many uh, officials as possible, if we can bring them in and try and see if they can give us some time to answer directly to your questions, which you often ask us and we don't necessarily have the answers to. So today what I do want to say is that we managed to get the Minister of Forestry and Fisheries and Environmental Affairs Barbara Creasy to take all your questions. So the lines are open for every single question you may have at this time. 0891-104-207 is our WhatsApp number. Let me just start welcoming the Minister on the show. Good afternoon and thank you so much for making the time to join us Minister. Good afternoon and greetings to all your listeners. So as somebody who's sitting at, um, at, at a position where I suppose to some it may not necessarily feel like it's, 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 um, it's, it's that serious because people don't think about the environment as much as they think about human life. But I, I, I was thinking about waste pickers, for instance, and the intervention that was started a couple of days ago around giving them some, I think it was money directly into their, their phones. I thought that was really quite nice. Is it still going on? Yes. Um, I think, I think what's, very important to say is that our department, uh, because of our particular mandate, would be working primarily in rural areas, and as well as obviously all along the coasts. And um, there would be several thousand people who would be directly dependent on the activities of the departments. So, for example, you've you've mentioned the issue of waste pickers and our mandate in terms of waste management and recycling. And yes, indeed, we are continuing with that partnership with the uh, packaging SA. But I think that we also got clearer direction last night from the president in terms of additional ways in which we would be wanting to support those who are vulnerable in our society. And I think that we're very grateful for the partnership we've had with the private sector. But those uh, who we already have on our database and who, who would qualify in terms of um, the criteria that are being developed by the Department of Social Development, we would obviously want to hand over so that um, on, a, on a regular basis for the next six months they should be in a position to benefit from the opportunities that the president was speaking of. Do we know what impact removing waste pickers has made on our progress in recycling? As the part of the ecosystem, we all know that they played a major role in this country and uh, COVID-19 has meant that they cannot continue with that work. Do we know what impact that has made and how much, uh, how backwards it has set us in, in terms of our ambitions for recycling? Well, I think that uh, what is important to note is the household separation at source is a very important contribution to making sure that we divert uh, all kinds of substances from our landfills. And obviously what you would understand is that if we're not able to do that, which we're not able to do at the moment, uh, then one would see a, see a situation where landfills are going to get, fill up much more quickly. Obviously, um, the president did talk about 
measures that government is considering for a slower and systematic reopening of the economy. And we would be looking forward to guidelines how that would apply to the recycling and the waste management sector. At the moment, as you know, it's waste management um, in its very uh, pure and original form is really uh, the only thing that is taking place as an essential service at the moment. In other countries, in fact, I heard last night that they have suspended their uh, nature conservation programs because there is just is no money. People are not going to, to parks and so on, like the what we would call, like for instance, for us, a Kruger National Park. H- how are... Other efforts being impacted by look by the lockdown period uh, in in our nature conservation projects. Well, wildlife management, animal care, and um, our ranger services are obviously still functioning because um, <clears throat> the national parks constitute uh, a considerable national asset. Um, Sandparks is responsible for the administration of 60% of the national parks in our country, and it's, it's equivalent to about 4 million hectares of land. Now, clearly, this can't be left unmanaged during the lockdown, so, so those functions are essential services. But you are absolutely correct in saying that as um, we look forward into the future of this pandemic, it's obviously having a very serious impact on tourism. We know that internationally there can be no travel at the moment and many of of our visitors to our national parks would be domestic and international tourists. So clearly one of the things that we are having to consider at the moment is um, what impact would uh, a prolonged closure of the tourism industry have on our national parks And how would we have to manage those parks in a way that we can perform our essential services in the absence of of revenue streams that we would depend on under normal circumstances? Uh, going forward. Minister, I did say that we are going to welcome calls. If you don't mind, let's start doing that. 0891-104-207 is the number to dial. If you uh, want to send a WhatsApp note, you can also do that. 0614-104-107. One of the first people that wanted to speak to you is a gentleman called Tim Neary, who is, I know, has been a nature conservationist for for decades, in fact. He's on the line. And good afternoon, and thank you so much for, for calling in, Tim. Oh, pleasure, Vermela. It's actually a, a, a lovely day outside. Good afternoon to you, Minister. Good afternoon, Mr. Neary. Go ahead, Tim. Minister, there, there are so many questions. I think I'd like to borrow you for a whole day, in fact. Um, you, you mentioned a couple of things there, for example, starting with the, the waste pickers, the separation of source, etc. Uh, ideally, we should be separating at our homes, but it's just not possible. Where do we go post post this COVID-19? How do we start to look at a better understanding of the environment and man? And why I'm saying that is, to my mind, we've always thought of environment conservation as being bugs and bunnies and let's go and save the big five. We seem to have lost the understanding that the environment is really biodiversity. It's between man and nature, man and the planet, trying to get the survival of man, let alone anything else. Where do we go in the future with with just waste to start with? Well, I think that um, the Department of Environment for a long time has had a concept of a circular economy, and that concept really informs 
the way in which we understand waste management. So the concept of the circular economy says that um, if we approach commodities in the way of uh, make, use, and discard, we are going to be facing enormous problems, firstly, of waste management in a modern society, problems that we already face. But secondly, ultimately, we're going to be facing problems of resource constraints because what we all understand is that we have ever-growing populations and we also have um, ever-growing <coughs> constraints on raw materials. And so what's important is to start understanding that we need a cycle that says we make, we use, and then we remake and we reuse. Um, so I think that that um, there are about 27 waste streams that have been identified in the National Waste Management Strategy. All of those waste streams have the, the possibility that we can reuse products that have already had one life cycle and can be giving them another life cycle. And I think that um, really as we move forward, uh, we need to start to see waste not as something that we must get rid of, but as a, as a resource that can create livelihoods and also as a very important way of managing the resources on our planet and to ensure the sustainability of livelihoods for human beings, but also to ensure the sustainability of our planet in terms of much broader issues such as biodiversity, which you have already mentioned. Minister, what at the moment is your biggest concern? Look, I think at, at the moment the biggest concern of all of us has to be about the lives and the livelihoods that are at risk as a result of this pandemic. Um, we, I, was, I said to you right in the beginning that we work primarily in rural areas, there are about 400,000 people who are dependent on what we call the, the biodiversity economy, and that would include our national parks, but it would all also include all activities that, that are related to um, <clears throat> nature conservation and the sustainable use of nature. So we know that many of those communities are already living in conditions of poverty, and that that this current um, pandemic is making these conditions of poverty worse. Let me give you a, a very simple example. We have people who would be selling crafts and curios outside of our national parks. These people are not um, able to earn a livelihood at the present, and they are facing situations of very extreme distress. So we have to find a way that uh, during the course of this pandemic, we not only protect, protect them from COVID-19, but we also protect them from starvation and from worsening economic conditions. So I think that that's one major concern I have. The other concern that I have going forward is how, as we confront some of the economic challenges that we face as a country, and I think that the president spoke last night about um, looking at how we deal with some of the abiding constraints in our economy, some of the issues that have led to, to uncompetitiveness in the past. I think that, that what we understand is that there's also very, very big challenges there around our future energy trajectory, 
uh, how we make our economy more competitive in terms of new technologies, green technologies that are being introduced across the globe, and how we also make sure that in the face of dwindling resources, we're able to sustain our considerable conservation state and the very significant work our country has done for many decades in promoting conservation on the continent of Africa. You know, you just mentioned a sector of the society which is very difficult to define because as I think about it, I wonder actually where, where they would belong. Um, those people that would have been sitting outside selling some artifacts and so on, um, they don't necessarily fit at the moment in the category of arts and culture, not quite. They are very informal kind of group of people. Um, you've mentioned them in your sector as part of your food chain as well. But, you know, how how do we get those people to survive, number one? I know that the, we've just now released a plan. The president released a plan for everybody. But to get them back into the ecosystem, how are we going to do that into your ecosystem? Well, I think obviously, firstly, um, we have to be giving them distress relief. Um, from Friday, Sand Parks will be engaging in a major program to offer distress relief to communities that are living on the outskirts of our national parks. Of course, in the course of that, we would also want to be including them on the database of those who would be receiving the, um, distress relief through the programs that the president announced yesterday. But clearly, we've also got to be addressing the question of economic recovery. And I suppose the, the broader question would be, um, will we be able to reestablish a domestic tourism industry in the not-too-distant future? Um, will we be able to keep South Africa as an international destination, even if it's going to take quite a number of months for that to happen again. And I think these are these are issues that um, the Sandparks Board is concerned about and is discussing. I mean, I, I've had several discussions with both the CEO of Sandparks and the chair of the board, and I know that the board has an intention to be meeting very frequently during this period so that they can address all of these very complicated questions. Minister, here's a question from Twitter. Uh, the person's name is Et Masenya, and they're saying, can you please ask the minister if she's willing to remove the recycling of copper in South Africa? Government infrastructure is being destroyed uh, in the name of recycling. Example, Prasa lines are not in use because of scrap dealers. Well, I think that um, the what we know is that um, the illegal uh, removal of scrap metal. Um, it's, it's copper, but it's also many other aspects of, of scrap metal is a huge problem that, that faces our country. And it's something that the Department of Trade and Industry would be concerned about because there is, a, there is an international market for scrap metal. And um, really, I think that they are better placed to answer that question than I am, but I do agree that it is leading to significant destruction of infrastructure and it's a, it's a very, very concerning problem. Tim Neri, you had another question? I did. I, I was listening to some of the comments as well that the minister was making between, uh, you know, with the rural area and tourism. 
Minister, how does one bring this though back into the urban area? And here I'm looking at your urban waste pickers. I'm looking at the fact that our urban areas are mostly responsible for, I guess, 90% of the pollution in our country, the, the waste that is dumped out, etc. And so often also I, I would imagine another challenge to you is that a lot of our waste pickers are non-South Africans. Um, so that that's going to be yet another one. And you know, having made a documentary a couple of years ago on the waste pickers, I found it incredibly interesting that their knowledge of the plastics mostly was better than yours and mine. And, you know, how do we how do we bring back what you're doing in the rural areas and bring it into the urban areas? Because I'm guessing that's mostly as important, if not more so. Look, in our waste management sector, um, I, I was speaking earlier about our commitment to the circular economy. I think the second concept which is important in that is the concept of expanded producer responsibility. So what we mean by that is that those who are producing products, particularly products like waste tires, packaging, plastic, uh, those producers have a responsibility for for helping to set up and maintain the circular economy. So we've been working with uh, Packaging SA and with other representatives of of the packaging sector to say, how do we get industry to take much more responsibility for the life cycle that relates to packaging, uh, whether it's plastic, uh, glass, um, paper. We have put out calls for proposals from industry and Part of the intention of calling for these proposals is that we have to formalize the role that waste pickers are playing in the circular economy. So at the moment, you have people who are rummaging through dustbins, you have people who are pulling trolleys through streets, and really this is a, it's a very undignified and inhumane way in which people are having to make a living. It's also very dangerous, and I think one of the reasons why the waste picking industry has been considered not to be an essential service mm. is because of the danger that that rummaging through dustbins and so on poses. So part of what what I think has to happen with the support of industry and of course government has a role here as well is that we've got to start to look at how do you first of all promote household separation at source. So it's something that's happening in the metros, but it needs to happen everywhere in our country. Once separation is done at source, how do you collect those different commodities? How do you separate them? How do you bale them? How do you market them? And as I was explaining earlier, how do you turn them into products and give them a second life? Now, waste pickers can become formally included into that value chain. And they don't have, they can have sustainable livelihoods, they can have decent con- conditions of work, and they can still have a role in the value chain which doesn't have to involve scrounging through dustbins and dragging trolleys through the streets. And I think that that is, that is part of what we're looking forward to in the industry waste management plans is, is for industry to say, um, we have a commitment to the recycling of glass, this is where we, we think that uh, we need labor in the process. These are the, these are the places 
where sorting will take place. These are the conditions under which it will take place. And these are the markets where, where these recyclables will be sold. So it's really about, I think, the long-term vision is, is to formalize the role that, that people are playing in, in the waste industry and to make sure that they have more dignified livelihoods and that they have a much more formal role which can be protected. It's urgent, Minister. How soon can we see some of these plans coming through? Well, uh, we put out the adverts <laughs> before the lockdown. Um, you know, government processes are consultative by nature. Mm. We're trying to put th- those consultative processes online so that we can keep working through this lockdown. Um, I'm going to be assessing next week exactly how we're doing um, because obviously the law at the moment requires all kinds of, of uh, public gatherings to be convened, which I think that um, we're, not, we're not sort of expecting to be taking place anytime soon. But we are trying, the department as a whole is trying to continue its work under these very trying conditions. Uh, we're all learning. Um, we, we're all getting used to, to having uh, online meetings and online conferences. And I guess we, we're all going to have to assess whether that's working and whether that can give us the kind of product we need so that we can move forward. Thanks very much, Minister Barbara Creasy, Minister of Forestry and Fisheries and Environmental Affairs. Tim, let me, let me give you a last bite of this. As somebody who's been working in conservation for, I don't know, 30 plus years, your take? You know, I, my, my biggest concern is that one hears this continuously. And what I want to see is the resultant um, response from, and actions. That's what I want to look at. I, I'm not pre- interested in really banging anybody over the head about what's happened in the past, no matter how long ago it was. Um, and that's what bothers me, Pamela, is that we, we talk about the environment without understanding how important it is in, in everyday life. And, you know, unless we can get a handle on that, unless we can understand that our environment encompasses pollution, good water through rivers, and, you know, we start talking about let's make sure that we have good water. It is our right regardless of the Constitution. It doesn't matter what it is, our air qualities. And, you know, I would love to see at the moment, I'd love to see a figure of how little pollution there is or the reduction in pollution from the lockdown. And, you know, we keep on saying, well, we can't reduce the carbon emissions because of X, Y, and Z. Well, we seem to have uh, reduced them pretty radically, and what a radical way to do it. But how do we manage this into the future? Because without management, without getting results, and without the understanding and buy-in of everybody, it's just not going to work. We'll be talking, having the same conversations in later years, you know. And, and I hear what the minister says about the waste pickers. But these dragging that trolley, etc., needs to be recognized as a good profession for some people. And they need to be rewarded from it. Uh, you know, and one knows, having done that documentary, just how hard these guys work mm-hmm. to try and eke out a meagre wage, um, you know, just, just and to be there. Just think of it, dragging that trolley at 4 o'clock in the morning in the middle of winter so you can be first at somebody's rubbish bin. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? Yeah, lots to think about there. Thank you so much, Tim. Always lovely talking to you. Tim Neary, who's a nature conservationist, just uh, also his take on, on what he's making of uh, the environment and how...